0: Hello everyone and welcome to Business Class, the show where we speak to some of the hottest startups in India. We try to understand their journey and what are the big issues and challenges that they're dealing with today. And we uh, discuss this with some of the most experienced experts in the startup and business community across the world. Today I'm really happy to um, say that we have with us Praveen Agarwala. He's the founder and the CEO uh, of a very exciting company that's doing a lot for blue-collar workers. The company is called Better Place. Uh, Praveen, welcome to the show.
1: Very good uh, morning and wish you a very happy new year. Uh, and my pleasure to be here with you and
2: today. Uh, Looking forward to having a very engaging discussion.
0: Thanks, Praveen. Praveen, I love the name Better Place. Sort of, It has so much promise and potential in it. Like we all want to, you know, go to a better place, right? So tell us a little bit about your journey and, you know, who you are and, you know, how did you start this company and what exactly are you doing for blue-collar workers because this is a segment that's been ignored by a lot of people, right?
2: Right. I think that's a that's a brilliant to start with. Uh, I used to work with um, SAP as the global head of cloud development. Uh, product. Uh, which is mattering to SME or business design and I did that for 18 years and and towards the end of my career that lot that we are doing for a corner from an economist but hardly anything from a view and if you really look at the market yeah, there are there are millions of people in India 17 2017, uh, who were working on uh, creating value for the enterprise of the enterprise.
1: So, 2015, Saurav and I decided that uh, let us do something. Why things are not happening? Why people are not doing it? Why don't we do it
2: ourselves, right? And we took the plunge uh, in 2015. Started the journey uh, of building a better place. The name basically signifies that we are trying to create a better place for millions of people. That is the purpose of the company.
1: What do we do at Better Place? Uh,
2: we basically do two distinct things. Number one is we provide uh, workforce management to the enterprises that hire people follow Whether it's logistics, whether it's transportation, facility, security, or whatever. We provide end-to-end workforce management. Uh, and most of these enterprises, they, they use uh, or Excel and Max to uh, manage their workforce. So it's basically shifting from their traditional way of doing things.
1: Now, what we do is also is that using that workforce management solution, we are ensuring that we create a lot of tangible, rich and fresh data about people that can be used for distribution of services to the people you and i have access to credit you and i have access to insurance and various other services but if you look at your uh, domestic help, you look at your security guard in your complex or office or the uh, driver that drives you home or office they don't have access to credit and the reason they don't have it is that there is no quality data about people right so by providing workforce management solution we are building personal professional social financial data about people And use this data for distribution of services uh, to the masses. Uh, That could be an insurance, that could be a uh, a credit, that could be a health product, that could be anything for that matter, right? Uh, Could be upskilling, reskilling, and and so on. So, this is what we uh, largely do from our workforce management build the data and distribute services. We work with, uh, uh, today, we work with 1,000 plus organizations across the country. we have the aspirations to touch 3 crore people managed through our platform by 2024 and uh, by that time go uh, Southeast Asia as well, Indonesia, Philippines and Vietnam. Uh, and uh, today we are the largest in the country from a workforce management point of view and we believe that we will continue to uh, take advantage of our uh, first mover and continue uh, to be the market leader in Southeast Asia in the next 3-4 three, three,
0: years. So Praveen, that's really uh, amazing to hear that you were, you and your co-founder, Saurabh, you're brave enough to actually launch this host of uh, services, almost like a platform uh, for blue collar workers. And um, quite amazed to hear your aspiration of mainstreaming three crore. That's 30 million workers by uh, 2024. So it's got to be really challenging uh, to have such a big vision. And when you uh, start talking to factories and enterprises, even the blue collar workers themselves, uh, do you find that this sort of radically new thought process that you're trying to implement, uh, what kind of resistance does it meet from some of your stakeholders?
1: That's a brilliant question, Sushant. I mean, if you look at from the very beginning, um, we started six years back. And uh, at that moment, uh, technology was not uh, that prevalent in the blue economy itself, right? Whether this is enterprise or the individual. Uh, enterprises used to uh, basically run their businesses on paper or Excel. Uh, if you look at attendance management solution, they do only a register where they capture the attendance. Or uh, if people are hired, then they will capture a lot of printed documents and stack it in office and there will be a big room where forms are kept and so on so when we came up with the solution saying that okay all those things can be done in digital world right uh, there is always a fear of uh, change right because you are disrupting the existing processes people fear any change for that matter right now the enterprises were started thinking that i already have uh, my workforce business has been running for the last 15-20 years, why should I do a change, right? And that becomes a critical factor. And, and on, on the other hand, if you don't change, you will start dying at some point of time because some big guy will come and start uh, taking the share of market. So we started convincing them how this change will positively impact you, right? So we started looking at instead of doing a big change on day one, right? Because if you want to do change, you have to do step by step. So even if we have a bigger vision saying we will change the whole world uh, and the complete workforce management, we say, let us let us pick up the lowest hanging opportunity and go step by step in the chain. Because if we start doing a bigger one, then the resistance will be even bigger, right? And there'll be a lot of parties within the enterprise who will start questioning that. Rather than fighting many battles, let's fight one battle at a time. So we started moving that small... Uh, lowest hanging opportunity. We start looking at making a, a, a foot in the door, start holding the hand and then start growing slowly. Even now when we onboard a new customer, we start with one solution and say now that you are using one solution, see how can I change the complete uh, technology transformation for you, right? So I think that is one thing. The second thing that we also uh, realized uh, in 2000. 15 when we started and we wanted to do a lot of things for the user itself, the blue collar workers, and they were not technology savvy, right? The mobile phone access was not as high as it is today. People are hooked into a WhatsApp, YouTube video, a TikTok, and all those things. But five years, six years back, that was not there and asking people that you can run your business on the mobile. It was a big thing, right? You, I'm not sure if you are aware, but if you look at uh, blue collar workers, If they get their salary in bank, the next moment they withdraw the complete money. So the the belief was that if I have cash in hand, that's my power. Money in the bank could be lost, right? Uh, Now people want to keep their money in bank. They don't want the money to be in their hand because they feel it is safer and it can increase as well at some point of time, right? So that's a change which is happening. And I think people have started... uh, Believing that technology can make things efficient for them, so it is also helping us, but we spend a lot of time educating them how this could improve them, how can you learn more, earn more, how can you manage your finances better, and so on and so forth, right? The third thing also is from, uh, and and uh, Pranav can comment on that, uh, we always found uh, uh, in, the, in the beginning the investors that we used to talk to, right? Uh, And in past, nobody actually raised capital in blue collar economy as such. So how can we build a business, impactful business in a blue collar economy? Where is the money? Uh, Can it grow that big? Can it become a $10 billion company and so on, right? So it took us time also to convince the complete ecosystem that there is a real business. Of course, there is a purpose behind it, but it can happen. So that's that's the journey that we went through those challenges.
0: So, sure, Praveen, I would definitely say, you know, hats off to you because, you know, whether you like it or not, you are fighting multiple battles uh, at the same time. Um, I think on this topic of change and how important it is, um, because this really changes the DNA of uh, most startups. But a lot of times we underestimate how difficult it is or how uh, tough it is going to be demolish uh, mental attitudes and notions to change. I mean, resisting change in some say, a lot of people say is in our DNA. I'd like to bring in um, our expert for the day. And that is uh, Pranav uh, Pai. Uh, Pranav, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, Pranav is the founding partner and the chief investment officer of 314 Capital. And Pranav, I was going through the uh, list of portfolio companies that you have. And one of the things that I noticed uh, as a pattern is that you have Taken a bet on companies that are fundamentally trying to change one or the other things in the world, as they say, you know, sort of making their own dent in the universe. Um, so, uh, you know, what is your take on uh, how should startups navigate change? Uh, pra- uh, Prana- Praveen spoke about uh, the fact that he wants to do incremental change because if he overwhelms his stakeholder or user with change, then they're Simply going to you know take a step back and close their minds. Uh, what is your take on this entire business of change and startups?
3: Thanks, Shantanu. Uh, one, you know, I'll share one lesson I learned from some of the best investors, the best minds really that you know I, I benchmarked. I have access to uh, when we thought about this question ourselves. Uh, and one lesson that one lesson is that uh, as early stage investors, we are part of a long chain of capital. Right, early stage, mid stage, growth stage pre-IPO, IPO, IPO, mezzanine, and so on and so forth. And uh, one lesson for us in the early stage, both for investors as well as startup founders like Praveen, is that if we are investing in ideas that are already mainstream today, it may be too late. Uh, It may be too late for us to make a big difference. It may be too late for us to be able to compete meaningfully. It may be too late for for us to build something that's so markedly differentiated that we are really creating something unique. So uh, founders like Praveen, I think what they've done really well for themselves and for their company is that they have learned to preempt the mainstream. They have started building these solutions. They have found insights in the market. They've understood the needs of their customers or their prospective customers to the point where when they start building solutions for them, there's an immediate impedance match. Uh, And I think that's one of the most important traits we look for when it comes to managing change. It's the ability of founders such as Praveen, to think about that that concept, that problem at a very fundamental level, to use first principles thinking and coming up with that solution. And then speaking in a vocabulary, in a language that makes complete sense to the end people whose problems they're trying to solve. And if you're able to do that in a logical way, I think the ability to work with your customers to manage their, their evolution, their transition to this new way of being, this new way of working, this new way of solving a problem, I think it becomes very natural. Now that's easier said than done, of course. But that's where the magic happens, really, for investors, for founders, for entire ecosystems. Uh, so that's that's our big lesson as we've looked at how change happens in the early steps.
0: So Pranav, uh, I have a question for you. You come across uh, a lot of people who walk into your door with starry-eyed dreams in their eyes, wanting <laughs> to change the world, right? And I'm sure you know when they actually discuss their uh, business plans with you, maybe. Uh, some change is too early for its time. Uh, sometimes the incremental change is not enough, as you said. So, how do you sort of draw a framework around it? Um, how much of change is uh, good for the moment, or how much is it too early? So, when a lot of businesses fail, the oft repeated phrase is, Oh, they were too early for their times. You know, I read that to mean that the change that they were trying to make, uh, the world was not ready for that change. So how do you assess that? And what has been your advice to uh, founders when they present their business ideas
3: about changing the world? That's a great question, Shantanu. And you know, again, we looked at many data points to figure out why startups fail in general. Right? We started there. If things don't work, why don't they work? Uh, you know, there are disagreements with founding teams. They haven't managed to raise enough money. Uh, they have not built a product that actually solves the problem, but the one dimension that cuts through all of these reasons for failure is timing. If you're too early, you're absolutely right. If you're too early, sometimes it's just an overbuilt solution for a problem that's not as valuable to solve. Uh, Sometimes you're solving a problem that's already been solved in a better way. It's cheaper. It's faster. There's no point solving that problem right now. So you're absolutely right. Uh, Timing is really critical. And unfortunately for us as investors, as founders, as anyone in the startup ecosystem, Timing is also the hardest determinant parameter for success. It's just it's almost impossible. We've tried; it's almost impossible to find hard metrics to measure if now is the right time. So uh, my lesson from founders and especially people like Praveen is that if you're convinced, if you've done this right, the timing question is really answered by actually starting the process. And uh, the timing question cannot be answered in theory. There's very little you can do to preempt that timing question. So I absolutely. Uh, think that it's it's really it, it's an intuitive skill that, that you develop over time. And hopefully, we've gotten it more right than wrong over the last half a decade while we've been doing this. But uh, that's our analysis uh, after everything that we've seen.
0: Sure, Pranav. I mean, that's some really great insight out there. Uh, firstly, that you know you can't time the timing and you've got to actually do it. And it's more of an art uh, than a science. So, thanks for those tips. So, coming back to you, uh, Praveen, uh, you know, the biggest change that we have seen in the past 100 years has been the pandemic. I mean, we're still in it in, in some sense. Uh, so there are two kinds of change, right? So the change that you're trying to bring about in the business model. Uh, but if, you know, change like the pandemic sort of envelops you, how, did, how do you respond? And how did you respond uh, to the biggest change in a century?
1: Yeah, that's the talk of the town these days, that what happened in pandemic and what did we learn? I think uh, when it hit us hard uh, in April, uh, we were all looking at how do we sustain, how do we ensure that we have a runway for next 18 months, 24 months, so that uh, the oxygen is not running away, right? But then we made a decision, uh, thanks to my uh, board, like Pranav and Will and others who supported us uh, or more than hundred percent at times uh, that we said, let's not look from a sustainability point of view, rather look at this as an opportunity. And what are the things which are impacting the people and what is the value that we can bring for our customers and users, right? And we started actually thinking from a survival point of view to a growth point of view. And interestingly, in last uh, nine months, we have grown almost 200% uh, compared to where we were just at the beginning of the pandemic, right? So that's, that's something we bring as part of uh, the change process inside us as well, that how do we look at it. Now, what happened during this pandemic? Uh, some of the things that we learned, and we started adopting that very fast. For example, uh, uh, for Blue Collar, when you hire them, you want to train them in your classroom, right? You have a training program that runs for a day or a week. But now you are doing a distributed hiring. You are not bringing the people inside your classroom. How do you do a scalable, repeatable uh, training at a cost-efficient model across the country, where you don't have any physical presence anymore? Right. Second, for example, is that all the hiring uh, used to happen uh, where a person will walk into your center, will give you an interview. You will collect the documents physically give a letter to the person, and so on. Right Now, what we realized when we were speaking to our customers is that they want to run their business, but they don't have a model to hire the people in their offices because either they have cut down the resources or the kind of expenses they were incurring earlier, they can't afford that anymore. Right. So what we did, we created a digital onboarding process for our customers where you can identify the person. Let's say you want to hire somebody in Guwahati, sitting here in Bangalore, you can identify the person in in Guwahati, interview the person, select the person, do the complete onboarding and training and everything, and you actually give all the employment later and everything, right? That can be done sitting here in Bangalore within a couple of minutes, right? It it does not even take uh, days. And that's the change that we realized that can positively impact our customers. So what what we did is that we spent time with our customers and say, This pandemic is there, but it's going to be over at some point of time, right? And there will be new way of doing things. You cannot adopt the same thing, right? And there are certain things that customers are very willing to uh, partner on. For example, where you can bring efficiency, bring the cost down, help in scale and other things. And we started looking into those aspects. Today, we are very proud to say that we onboarded 700 plus customers during the pandemic time. And before that, over four years, we had onboarded 700 customers. almost same number of customers that in last four years that we did uh, uh, during the pandemic time, right? So I think uh, if you see the problem as an opportunity, there is always something that will come out uh, positively for us, Uh, might be certain industries had a bad impact, but positively for us, uh, because of the pandemic, the digital transformation uh, by enterprises has also increased, right? That has also helped us uh, in some way or the other. So I think uh, for us this has been uh, positive so far, and we are looking at uh, all the learnings that we have brought in and uh, engaging with our customers on that.
0: So um, that's actually, honestly, very fascinating. the the fact that you could grow two x in the pandemic, you could do more business in nine months than you've done in the past uh, four years. Obviously, um, you would be a person who's sleeping, uh, you know, very well at night today, unlike many other. Uh, entrepreneurs, but what I really liked about um, you know what you just uh, spoke to us about was the fact that your technology and your tools helped your customers manage the change. So in some sense, it, it became easier for them to deal with the disruption that are happening all around them because they had the better place and your tools and technologies to help them do it. And I think there is probably a you know great lesson in that because we often hear the phrase. Change is the only constant, and you know, in, in the next uh, four years, 85% of jobs will not exist anymore, and and, and and so on. And probably the pandemic has accelerated the process of changing everything uh, on, 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 on a global basis. So one of the things that I want to ask you about, um, uh, Pranav, and I'll come to that. Uh, you know, when you look at uh, people who are driving this change, you know, founders, uh, you know, like Praveen, for instance, right? What are the qualities you are looking at? What are the human qualities that you think are going to be vital for uh, next generation businesses or the quintessential post-pandemic businesses? Are you looking for inspirational leaders, practical leaders, people who are responsive, flexible? Have you evolved some kind of a a, a radar to measure a, a founder's or person's ability to change themselves and also to bring about the change that they want to make in the world?
3: Absolutely, Shantum. I think we look at three dimensions really uh, for the for the kind of people we want to work with because our relationships with uh, the founding teams that we invest in are decadal relationships, uh, sometimes even generational. For our best companies, we might want to hold over 15 to 20 years or so if we're permitted to. Uh, so you're absolutely right. We need to have very strong dimensionality in how uh, we measure the people we work with. So the first thing obviously we look for uh, is domain expertise. Uh, we have to have obviously founders that have a unique view into a problem, a unique view into a domain. Uh, A simple test is we have 20 people at 314, very simply uh, well-informed about the areas we invest in. Uh, Would would these founding teams we're talking to have an insight that we don't have yet? They're so far ahead that uh, even though we look at 3,500 companies a year, are we able to find something new from this conversation we're having with this founding team or, or with the people we're talking to? So domain expertise is important, it's measurable, and I think that creates a very interesting marriage of the minds when you're able to bring the right kind of na- names and minds together. Investors, uh, founders, of course, early, early founding team members, so on and so forth. The second set of uh, a- areas we look at are values. Uh, and of course, values, it's hard to measure. <laughs> uh, that, that we uh, all of us have learned uh, over the course of our own experiences. Uh, but really, we think when you're thinking about relationships over decades, uh, you have to have an understanding of how founders think about protecting their employees, about representing that company on the board, uh, about speaking about the problem they're solving out there in the in the real world, about how they protect their customer relationships. And the interesting thing about a macro event like the COVID pandemic that we just went through or still going through, actually, uh, is that it really tested many founding teams. In fact, every founding team in the world, uh, how they protected their employees, how they managed their customer relationships. I think the companies that did that well the people that did that well are the ones that are coming through much stronger with larger revenues with stronger relationships of course sometimes most of the time with much more investments going into their companies as you would have seen in the news so i think these these kind of macro events really test the value foundations of every company and i think that that completely starts absolutely with the founders and the third obviously the third dimension we look at uh, are the interesting Uh, strategic overlaps we have with these people. So I mentioned domain expertise, but when you go into the operating side, the pragmatic side of running a company, uh, for example, of course, founders like Praveen uh, have a long history in in the enterprise world. They've they've obviously seen how customers are won, how customers are lost. They've seen both sides of of, of that happening. I think some of those practical experiences really make for a different different working relationship between founders and and, uh, investors. So we look at the practical side as well. And obviously there's an age bias there, the longer you've been around, the more you've seen. Uh, so that obviously, uh, that obviously biases towards experience, but put these three things together. And I think that's a package that every founding team that we're looking at, every investor actually in the ecosystem is, me- is measuring and uh, founder by and vice versa. Uh, founders now have more choice, more access. So they are also evaluating investors back across uh, alongside these found, these parameters, similar dimensions, so really, really, it's that meeting that, that happens that, that creates that magic.
0: So the value system that you spoke about are actually universal you know truths uh, about uh, you know being truthful, having the right attitude, having the right um, values, having the right focus. So in some sense, even though everything around us is changing, but some fundamental things are probably um, never going to change, uh, and that's, that's very comforting to to know that. Uh, Praveen, um, coming back to you. Uh, as a founder, uh, they say it's you know lonely at the top. And when you're trying to navigate uh, something that's really complex, uh, like payroll management, for example, or workforce management, where there are tentacles of that in the regulatory system, in the legal system, uh, in the traditional way of doing uh, businesses, do you sometimes get frustrated by the fact that people can't get what you want to explain to them? Uh, explain to me the psyche of an entrepreneur who's trying to revolutionize something. Uh, do you sometimes, at the end of the day, feel you know you've just taken on more than what you know you can chew, and sometimes it should have been just you know slow and steady?
1: <laughs> it happens. It happens uh, every now and then. But I always believe in one thing uh, that that people live with fear, and fear should not be your worry but your strength. Uh, so when you are in frustration, uh, you should not live with the frustration, but it might come, but let it go as soon as possible, rather than slipping with that frustration for long, right? Uh, uh, frustration might come because of multiple reasons. Uh, it's just that you wanted to achieve something, you could not achieve it. You see a big opportunity, you want to catch it, but somehow you are not able to. You are explaining, but people are not getting For Whatever reasons, uh, it can come but what also helps is and fortunately uh, for us and i'm very privileged to have that uh, that you have people around you you can talk to them you're bored uh, there are during pandemic we were not sure what are the right things to do why we should do why we should not do so you have you, you instead of keeping it inside your mind all the time uh, you start discussing with people so fortunately for us as i said i have sort of uh, where we discuss every time we have a very strong management team uh, where we discuss everything very freely very openly and uh, uh, of course the board where we get a lot of insights and that also brings perspective not only the, the our only organizational view but also they speak to hundreds of other companies and that knowledge also brings a lot of thought for us and uh, helps us construct. But yes I mean these ups and downs are part of the journey and I'm sure that uh, uh, it happens for everyone and it should happen for everyone because if it goes on very smoothly up, then the fall will be very bigger in my view, right? So these things are uh, absolutely fine. Moreover, uh, I get to spend a lot of time with my, uh, especially nine, nine months, I spend a lot of time at home. Uh, so I, I, I discuss a lot with my wife and she also gives us a lot of her ideas from a different perspective. So some of the frustration can be shared with uh, Family as well at times, so yeah. I mean, it's challenging at times, but uh, uh, should be manageable.
0: I think a lot of uh, viewers will thank you for that piece of marital advice that you should discuss your work problems with your wife. I really like that. <laughs> very, very <refreshing laughs> on things, so <laughs> so Pranav, I'll, I'll I'll come back to you for for this last question on the topic of change and change management. You know, oftentimes. Uh, you know, we look at things that are happening in the world around us, some, you know, great values being created and, and we, we often say to ourselves, Oh, I wish I would have done that. Oh, wish I would have thought about that. Uh, what is the process by which do you think, uh, you know, people can measure the progress of change that is happening in the world? Is there a scientific way of doing it or is it, uh, you know, more visionary and more intuitive?
3: Yes, I mean, this is a, a age-old, prob- age-old question, Shantanu. Uh, there are definitely uh, tangible ways to measure change, uh, whether it's progress or, or regress. Uh, that's for sure. It, whether it's economic, whether it's uh, demographic, uh, all of us are obviously aware of many of the economic studies. Uh, sometimes we widely differ on the definition of good or bad even. Uh, you can see some of the recent commentary on the Indian GDP as an example. But uh, yes, certainly when it comes to innovation, uh, I would say that now, especially now, uh, after 2020 and what we've been through, uh, the rate at which any organization can absorb the capacity to deal with shock and then, of course, react in a way that is uh, what you would define as resilient. uh, I think that is something that is a new parameter that's been added to change. So it's no longer just change for the better. It's make sure we don't change for the worse also while we're at it so change has now meant both things uh, it's not just a progress up it's also make sure we don't uh, retard backwards uh, and i think uh, startups particularly have an interesting uh, new pitch to 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 uh, sell when they especially when they when they're enterprise uh, startups uh, enterprise focused startups and they're selling to large organizations uh, they have they have to be able to demonstrate that the technology that they're building or the solution that they've built to solve a problem it is it is completely comprehensive in its ability to deal with both taking the organization forward, as well as making sure the organization doesn't fall back. Uh, so I think the definition of change will, like like, like we discussed, change. Uh, and I think it's changing for the better. And I also think this is an opportunity, just like Praveen said, that I don't think startups anywhere in the world want to miss. Uh, what we'll see across 21, 22, uh, like there's, of course, there's demographic change happening all over the world. There's political change in the U.S. and the, and, and EU. India will have its on changes coming in the next few years, so I think there's a lot of the call for change is, is in front of us, and I think startups will have a very interesting opportunity set in front of them to make sure that they're working with the right kind of organizations to create value for everyone. Yes, Pranav, I couldn't agree more with you.
0: It's very refreshing to you know talk to a uh, uh, talk to you because you're saying that you know the change is the opportunity, and and Praveen said that you know um, the, the the notion of fear. There's a, there's a hidden opportunity lying around that you can turn that around into something absolutely amazing. And, 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 and I love your line, uh, the fact that the definition of change itself is changing. And change doesn't only mean that we go forward. We have to ensure that we don't change for the back. So we don't have regression in society or in our business or in our own uh, personal lives. You know, for myself, definitely my waistline has regressed, so I have to, you know, work very hard uh, post-pandemic now that the gyms have opened back up. But gentlemen, that was a fascinating discussion, and uh, Praveen, congratulations to you for making the most of the uh, opportunity uh, around to take better place to new heights. And hopefully, every workplace uh, in the country and in the world can be a better place. Uh, thanks, thanks, a ton for being with us today.
1: Just speaking to you, Shantanu, and look forward.